Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. All right. What I hope to do in, in this session is make it a little bit more personal. Um, so I hope you're ready to go on that journey. Um, I, uh, I want to talk in this session on how to attract blessing into your life. Um, because I, I am convinced that God wants to bless. Yes? I, I, I don't believe that God is withholding from us on purpose. Um, and, and so much of, of what we don't see happen in our lives, unfortunately, is on us. And often because we are stubborn, because we take too long on things, because we don't walk in obedience, because we don't do the things that God has called us to. And so I, I want to address some of those things, and, and I hope you'll permit me to. And I want to start out with 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verse 17. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, to not trust in the money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God wants to bless us, not just, you know, we tend to have this idea that, that God's blessing is just about meeting our needs. And, and yes, we need our needs met. We, we need to eat, we need shelter, uh, you know, and in a church context, there, there are things we need. But, but God's not, God doesn't just stop with meeting our needs. He, he blesses us because he wants us to actually enjoy it. And when I look around, I don't see too many Christians, I don't see too many Christian leaders actually enjoying the journey. We do spend a lot of our time talking about all the things that have gone wrong, all the things that aren't working, all the things that are hurting, all the things that are broken, all the things that, because there's a lot of need in our world. And we see a lot of hurt and damaged people. And, and, and in all honesty, uh, you know, if your congregation is anything like mine, uh, you've got some interesting people in it uh, who live some fairly dysfunctional lives. <laughs> Um, you know, and, you know, I, I didn't, I grew up in a fairly safe, normal, loving home. And, uh, and then I went into the ministry and realized the rest of the world isn't like that. Um, <laughs> so, but God wants to bless and he wants to bless us for our enjoyment. Not just to meet our needs, not just to get by, but he actually wants us to have the abundant life that he said we could have. And I think too many of us settle for less uh, because we stop believing for the best. We stop, st- we stop stirring our faith. We stop trusting God the way we should. And, uh, Augustine said this, and I, and I love this quote. It says, a man may lose the good, the good things of this life against his will. And we, we've in our church seen plenty of people who've had it all and lost it all. You may lose the good things of this life against your will, but if he loses the eternal blessings, he does so with his own consent. He does so with his own consent. And the truth is, is if we're not walking in the blessing of God, it's our choice, not God's. God wants 
to bless. God wants to provide for us. God wants to move in our hearts, in our lives. God wants his presence to be with us and to go wherever we go. And he wants our blessing, uh, not our blessing, but he wants his blessing to be in us. And so I want to share out of Psalm 1, and uh, we're going to just read the, the first six verses um, and hopefully draw some, some points that will be helpful out of that. Psalm 1, it says, Oh, the joys, King James says, blessed. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord. Delight, joy, are you catching some of the words? They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves neither wither, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly. But the path of the wicked leads to destruction. In the King James, it says, blessed is the man, blessed is the man. So scripture speaks of ins and outs. Negatives, positives. The blessed man's footsteps are ordered in the ways of God, but not the wicked man. Living in sin takes us from bad to worse, but the blessed man is blessed by God and grows and walks in that blessing. We did a series uh, a while back on, on blessing, and I, and I wanted to do, and, and, and this particular passage really spoke to me because I wanted to do uh, a, a message that explained what God's blessing looks like. Um, and for me, this was the closest passage that I could find that really explained what God's blessing, because a lot of people think blessing is a big building, or blessing is a big car, or blessing is a big house, or blessing is a massive bank balance. We, we, we tend to convert God's blessing into that. But, but in this passage, there, there's four main blessings that are described. There, there's this idea of divine provision. There's this tree that has, has resources that are below the ground. And that regardless of what's happening above the ground, regardless of what season is going on, there's this underground resource, God's provision that is available to the blessed person, to, 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 to someone who has God's blessing upon their life. And so God's blessing is a, is a godly provision that, that comes despite our circumstances. The, the, another idea that's conveyed in this passage is the idea of, of the leaves that never wither. So in other words, a godly vitality. See, in ministry, we can't be excited and passionate and serving God today, and then five years from now, we no longer are passionate and serving God. There comes a vitality when we're walking according to the works of God and, and His Word, and we're living according to His purposes. When we're living like that, there comes a vitality. My dad, who died at 70, was just as passionate about God at 70 years old as he was when I grew up and was serving the Lord. He has always served the Lord, always been passionate, always read the Word, always prayed, always loved God. It has not and never diminished. It's a godly vitality. When we walk in the blessing of God, there is a, there, there is a vitality that comes that, that, that helps us go through every season. And, and some of you have a few gray hairs. 
But that doesn't mean that it's the end of your season. There's a godly vitality that God still wants us to operate in. Caleb at 80 plus said, give me the hill country. So clearly our passion for God should not be diminished by our number or our age value. It's a matter of the spirit. It's a matter of what's going on inside. And then it speaks about prospering in every season, fruitfulness in every season. Fruit in every season. Wouldn't that be nice? Hey, think of your church. Think of your life. Always, always, there's always some fruit. Even, even when there's winter, even when there's snow on the ground, even when it's cold, even when it's rainy, even when things aren't going well, there are still fruit that people can come and feed off. So there's amazing pictures in the psalm of God's blessing and what it looks like. And it was a great blessing to our church. But at the beginning of the psalm, verse 1 and 2, this is, those are the two verses I want to focus on this morning. It gives us an idea of how to attract that blessing. So the, the psalmist goes on to describe what a blessed man looks like. He goes on to describe what blessing is, and he differentiates between the wicked and the godly, and, and he describes the blessing that comes upon the godly and obviously the destruction that comes upon the wicked. But right at the beginning of the psalm, it outlines for us what things we can do to bring that blessing to bear in our lives. And that's what I want to focus on. So I'm going to read the first two verses again, and then we're going to just quickly draw some points. It says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The first thing that we need to do to attract blessing is, number one, we have to listen to the right voices. Listen to the right voices, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. We need to listen to the right voices. The blessed man has too much of the sense of God's presence not to. He finds no rest in other voices, but only in God's. Uh, we have two staffies, um, and and some of you uh, know my wife and have met my wife, and, and you'll know that she loves our two dogs more than she loves anyone. Uh, it's it's the dogs, then then God, then 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 the kids, uh, then our home, um, the church, uh, and then me, and that's kind of how things work out. But but she is a large lady. I don't mean in terms of size, but large in heart. So so that's enough love for me. But John ten twenty seven says, "My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me." Now, we have two staffies, and the youngest one uh, we was, was basically, she was, uh, we picked her up from SPCA, and um, uh, she had literally chewed rocks and was, was mange, and, and I mean, she was in a terrible state, and we, we took her in. And um, when, we, when we go walking, she likes to run everywhere. So, you know, the world is her oyster. Basically, the only thing stopping from her seeing the world is the lead that you have around her neck. So, so once you take that lead off, she goes for it. 
And she will cover vast distances. She'll run up and down streets, up and down parks. Uh, she'll just go for it. But you can call her and she can be hundreds of meters away. You can call her and she'll come. I always find it amazing how dogs have this heightened sense of hearing and how they can be far away. And the average person wouldn't even be able to have heard my call, but yet my, my dog picks it up, hears it, and from whatever street she's up or whatever tree she's behind or whatever section of the park she's, she's galloped across, she'll do a U-turn and she'll come back to me. Now, wouldn't it be amazing if we were those kind of Christians? But wouldn't it be amazing if our shepherd, when he spoke, when he called, that we had that kind of attention to detail, that we had that kind of attentiveness, that we would hear and respond? I tend to think that, that we're pretty dull at times when it comes to our relationship with God. I, I tend to think that God kind of has to pick up something and smash us over the head um, before we kind of get it. If we want blessing in our lives, blessing is found in obedience to God. It's found in hearing the, the, the word of God. And, and, and that's what the psalmist says. He says, listen, you want blessing in your life. Don't follow the advice of the wicked. Don't listen to the wrong voices. Don't, don't listen to that stuff. Don't, don't listen to the news. You're, the news isn't your cue. Yes, we need to keep abreast with what's going on. But, but, but the government doesn't decide for us how we're going to serve God. We need to hear the voice of the Lord. We, we need to be attended to him. In, in Psalm 95 verse 7 it says, For he is our God. Not our mate, our China, our lackey from down the road. No, he is our God. We are the people he watches over. The flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today, the psalmist cries out. If only you would listen. I can be honest. My teenagers wear earphones in their head and it annoys the living daylights out of me. There is nothing more annoying in the home when you're trying to get a hold of your son or get a hold of your daughter and you've got those freaking wireless headphones in or ear pods or inner ears. I think they do it on purpose so that they can't hear me because generally I'm calling them to do some chore or something. But, but, but there is nothing when I'm like, Ethan, Ethan, Ethan. And then uh, you know, I go and, and, you know, and he's got this thing and he's got them cranked up. Well, he pretends like he has it cranked up. Uh, I think he's just ignoring me. But I'm like, oh, I reckon, you know, it is a good thing that God is not human. Because he'd be, he'd be incredibly frustrated with us. Because we listen to the wrong stuff. We're listening to all the stuff. We read this, we read that, look at that. And, and, and we must be, we, we must put stuff into our lives and hearts and stuff like that. But you know what? You, you don't make godly decisions. By consulting anyone other than God. It got to start there. All the other stuff helps and gives perspective and adds strategy and, and, and all that kind of thing. But you want to be blessed. You want to attract God's blessing. When last, when last did you come down to the church building on your own? Some random night. On your own. Switch it on. Take out the media equipment that maybe you don't know how to use break some buttons and move some stuff around and put some worship music on and come and get on your knees. When last? We used to do it when we were 
saved, first saved. We'd find those moments, man. We'd climb the mountain. We'd, I used to have a spot in the car where on my way to, to, to the church office where it, it was looking over a farmland and I would take my, my beaten up Datsun 120Y bucky and I would go and park there and I would just sit on the bonnet and there, there was no cars going by and I would just talk to God. You want to attract blessing? Listen to the right voices. Listen to the right voices. There, there is so much church strategy stuff available. There's so much. I mean, we live in an age now where literally you can get another course. You can get another. There is so many books. I mean, there is so much stuff we can use. But you know what? It'll be lifeless unless what, what you start out with is a word from the Lord. It's got to start in that place. And in hearing his voice, you want to be blessed, hear from the Lord first. Then you can strategize and pop and make it glam and make it look. I love the pink, by the way. I don't know if that was your idea or it was your wife's or the pink. You tell your wife from me, you tell your wife from me, it is freaking awesome. Well done. Number two. The verse says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners. Now, now clearly we know that obviously we have to approach sinners to reach out to them and see them loved into the kingdom. So that's not what this is talking about. It's talking about blessing. It's talking about what we put in the center of our hearts. So, so number two, we need to hang out with the right people. In Galatians chapter 5 verse 9, it says, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough we have in in south africa obviously we, we live in a, in a farming area which is similar to norfolk i, I suppose um, except one difference uh is that we can go outside um <laughs> the, the second difference is um we have a lot of farm workers so obviously your farms are a lot more mechanized and um so, so you won't see this too much but we have a lot of farm workers and, and what will happen is they they will grab some of the produce the the farmers allow them to grab some of the produce and they're allowed to sell that produce to supplement their income so because uh, some of them earn shocking wages and and so what will happen is if you go through farming districts you'll, you'll get to a, f- a four-way stop um, and, um, and at that four-way stop, there'll be guys from that local farm, uh, selling you a batch of something, uh, be it grapes or nachis or, or whatever. And of course, um, my, my wife, she likes buying from Woolworths and which is similar to your Marks and Spencers. She likes buying it neatly packaged and, you know, pumped with enough drugs that it'll last for five years if you leave it out. Um, <laughs> So, so she likes buying, you know, from them because it's healthier. Um, <laughs> I, I like, you know, I, I like slumming it a little bit, and um, and I like buying off the street. So, uh, so we were we were coming back from some friends um, in an area called Paul, and we were driving back, and we got to one of those four way stops, and there was a guy who had a massive bag of nachis, and uh, massive bag of nachis, and I said to him, "Well, how much?" So he said, "No, oh, it's like." 10 rand. So, I mean, that's less than a pound for a whole bag of nachis. And, uh, well, it's about 50 P. So, um, so I mean, it was really, really cheap. And, um, so I thought, Oh, cool. Let's buy a bag of nachis. And Joe kind of leaned across me and she put her arm on my chest. She said, and she looked at me in a very intense way. And she said, don't do it. So I'm like, no, man, it's a whole bag of nachis. There's bound to be some great nachis. And I'm buying a bag. Of... <laughs> don't you know what nachis are? Uh, sat. Yeah, okay, satsumas, there we go. Okay, so it was a whole bag of satsumas. 
Nachis are not drugs, just by the way. Just <laughs> they're the, the the orange ones that peel open. Okay, anyway, it's a fruit. So uh, I buy a whole bag, and uh, so I'm like, oh, cool, you know, I, I was I like a deal. So you know, 50p, got a whole bag, off we go, and uh, I put them in a bowl, and the next morning they were all rotten, every single one of them. Um, <laughs> and of course, my wife walks in. You know, women, I'm telling you, women when they're right, I just thought, it's just, it's just, you know, it's like, so, (laughs) how's your setsuma? (laughs) But, you know, it's amazing how quickly something that is decayed, something that's rotten can work through the whole batch. Because in just one night, just that exposure, and they were all gone by the next morning. And what you and I don't realize is that when we hang around with the wrong people, and I'm not talking about people we're trying to minister to and reach. I'm talking about people that you allow into your friendship circle, people that you connect with, people who have access and input to your heart. When you're hanging around with the wrong people, you allow their negativity and their, ha- their hate speech and, and all, the, all the negative aspects of their personality literally to download into you. And it's very, very... Uh, it's just amazing how quickly people are infected by the wrong things. And as leaders, we do have to be very, very careful. Um, even on, on, on Facebook these days, you know, I mean, I, one of the things I've observed Facebook is, you know, you can make a comment on Facebook with no accountability. You, you don't even have to have the facts. You, you don't have to prove that what you're saying is right. Uh, you can just share whatever the hell you like. And, uh, and before you know it, 10,000 people have seen it and, uh, and they're all making comments. And it's the world that we live in. And we've had guys leave the church and, and literally attack us on Facebook. And, um, and, and, and badly, really badly saying absolute nonsense, uh, making it up as they go along purely because, uh, they, they, they have hatred in their hearts and they want to demean the church. And, uh, and I used to stay friends with them on Facebook. I, I used to plug into those forums because I wanted to hear what was going on. But what I found was, is that I'd be like just getting ready for a prayer meeting or just getting ready for a, a, a message or heading off to church. And I would quickly go on my phone and go onto Facebook and then bang, that comment would come up. Uh, that negative comment and I found myself getting angry and fighting that comment and going that's not true and stuff and by the time I get to the meeting instead of being focused on God and filled with what God wanted me to say in that moment I was thinking about what that person said and how they were wrong and how dare they and what I'm going to say and I'm going to send this and and we fill our worlds with a whole bunch of nonsense and we hang around with people and if you're hanging around in Facebook forums you shouldn't if you're hanging around with friends that, that are pulling you down they are robbing you of what God has called you to. As leaders of God, we are called to influence. We are called to speak life. We are called to be a blessing. We've got to get close to God, hear his voice, and then we've got to make sure that the people we're placing around us are people that are building us. So one day, I literally just decided, I'm just unfriending, unfriendling, took, I closed off that forum, that forum. I have slept better ever since. The last year has been phenomenal. It is amazing how amazing our church is. 
No, it is amazing how wonderful the ministry is. How many lives are being affected? How many hearts are being changed? How much God is doing? How much better South Africa is doing? How much better hearts and lives? It is amazing because all of a sudden I removed the negative voice that was based in fear and a whole bunch of nonsense. And all of a sudden I was filling my life with the word of God and truth and positivity. And this is what God's going to do. And I can stand up now filled with that, focused on that because that's what I'm filling my life with. Be careful that you don't have those negative voices around you that are literally stopping you from stepping out in faith. See, what we don't realize is that we are influencers. The the space that you're in, when you're negative, broken, depressed, hurting, influences everyone. It doesn't just affect you. It affects your family. It affects your church. It affects your ministry. It affects every person you come into contact with. And you know what? What we often tend to do is we tend to dial away from relationships because now we're trying to, we're trying to mend. We're trying to put our lives back together. And so we just hold people at arm's length. But you miss weeks, months, years of ministry opportunity, uh, opportunities to make a difference in someone's life, opportunities to pray for someone, opportunities to believe with someone for, for some godly outcome. We miss all of those opportunities because we're dialing out. Can't do that. We're called to be at the forefront of what God's doing in our nation, in our communities. And we need to be filled with faith. We need to put the right voices and the right things in play. Listen to worship stuff. Listen to, read, get into stuff that's going to build you. See, when you hang out with the right people, your steps become ordered because you live in a space of accountability and in a place of helpfulness. And when you live in that space, it'll get you to where God needs you to be, on the other side of small, on the other side of no, on the other side of I can't, on the other side of I don't want to, on the other side of why me, and on the other side of it's all about me. See, as a church, our influence has actually grown quite significantly. Uh, So much so that my wife, who runs our life foundation in terms of all our projects, when there's stuff going on in the community, our local counselor phones her to find out what's going on. God's given us influence and access. And, and, and the, the truth is, is we've got to be, we've got to be very careful because on the one side, when we're not doing well, we can get so depressed and we can be jealous of everyone else and we can find reasons why it's not happening for us. When things are working, we've got to be careful that we don't think it's us. We've got to be careful that we don't now live in pride, that I don't strut around going, flip, I'm amazing. Although I do say that to my church every now and then, just to remind them. But, you know, I do say it as a joke. But, but you know what? When you've got good people around you, I, I've got friends who would never put up with me even vaguely suggesting that I'm a hero. They keep me grounded. They'll, they'll tell me the things I don't want to hear. There was a season in the early couple of years of our church where we didn't have elders. And, and everyone, and I know a lot of ministers go, oh, fantastic. Thank you, Jesus. That is a miracle from heaven. Please, Lord. But you know what? You actually need accountability. So I would go and seek it. I, I literally, any decision I made, I, w- I would consult at least 20 people. Even now, as we've grown bigger, I haven't made myself less accountable. 
Every week I meet with all five of our executive guys one-on-one. Every week I meet with our elders one-on-one. Every week I sit down with our pastors one-on-one. And every week I'm discussing and talking about what we're thinking about and getting their input because I cannot afford to live in a space where it becomes about me. And in church life, who we hang around with, who we allow to speak into our lives will ultimately either increase our capacity to do more for God or diminish our capacity. Make sure you choose wisely. Number three. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. Number three, you want to attract blessing? Don't be judgmental. Uh, I have this little saying, um, and it goes like this. You don't know what you don't know. I know, it's profound, hey? Wow. It's like, wow, sure. You see, the problem is, is we always think we know. When you're operating in a small church, you think Bink Church is arrogant and filled with pride. They don't know what they're talking. They've lost the true religion. They, they've, they're filled with all kinds of demons. It's just about money. It's like you've got a whole list of things why big is just against God. When God does something in you and you begin to grow, then small is pathetic and they don't have any faith and they are like lazy. And, and we spend a lot of our time pointing fingers depending on where we're at and how our journey's gone, pointing at everyone and, and getting all judgmental and worked up about things that we shouldn't. We need to be careful. We need to be careful because the reality is, is once you start judging people and when you, you think you know, you, don't, you have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea why that church is doing what they're doing. You have no idea why that minister said what he said. You have no idea what's going on in his personal world. You have no idea of his history. You have no idea what just took place that week. Come on, think about it. You have no idea what just took place that week in that church. Yet, in a moment, you think you can comment. In a moment, you think you can point a finger. But yet, it's amazing. I always find it amazing, the human dynamic. We want absolute grace for ourselves. But we're not willing to extend any grace towards anyone else. You want to... Don't be judgmental. Now, we know that the Bible says that the church does need a measure of judgment. We understand that. But remember... Even that judgment, the Bible tells us that whenever someone's fallen, we're there to restore them and love them back to God. We use judgment as an opportunity to kick people in the teeth. And you know what? When you do that, by the very measure you use, by the very measure you use, it'll come back to you. What you sow, you reap. You know, now you might be clean. (laughs) Now you might be doing okay. Next year, three people in your family might die. Next year, your worship leader might have an affair. Who knows? Now you can sit with your arms folded 
and point fingers. What happens when you're there? What happens when some stuff comes your way? Maybe not even because you did anything wrong. What happens when there's things that you have to deal with? Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, and it's almost like, Dear brothers and sisters, please. If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently. I don't think there's anything gentle in a lot of the judgment that the Christian world places on other areas of the Christian world. You should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Help them back onto the right. You know, it is amazing how we want to jump to the other passages of Paul that says have nothing to do with them. Be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. You haven't walked in their shoes. You don't know what you don't know. Matthew 7 verse 1 to 5, it says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know what? One of the things I, one of the reasons I believe that a lot of churches don't walk in blessing is because they're too judgmental of other churches and other Christians. God can't bless that. As a church, we had Hillsong plant a campus across the road. And when I mean across the road, I mean the building just across the street. We, our church building is on a corner, and the corner next door is a hotel. The hotel's name is the Lord Charles Hotel. Hillsong planted a campus in that hotel. So Hillsong had come to Cape Town, built a great Big work pretty quickly. And other AOG churches were affected by that planting. It's got nothing to do, it's not, Hillsong didn't do anything wrong, just by the way. It's just the nature of church life. So everyone was coming to me and saying, oh, Hillsong are planting like right across the road. What are you going to do? I had uh, the pastors of, of Cape Town Hillsong uh, come and see me. Um, they didn't realize that we were an AOG church because our name was changed. And all of a sudden when they realized it and uh, that our national leader was on my eldership, uh, they were a little bit concerned um, that it would damage relationships. And I had the opportunity, my wife and I, we sat around a coffee table and... Um, and we told them the journey we'd been on as a church. And we said, it's very hard for us because you guys are so huge, so well-established. You know exactly what you're doing. You're going to come in here and you're going to make a splash. Um, and it's very hard for us not to feel like that splash will drown us. 
So we just shared our hearts. But you know, once I shared my heart and I said how I was feeling, I made a decision when I got up from the table that that was that. I went back to church leadership meetings and I said, right guys, Hillsong starts in a couple of weeks. We're going to honor them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to bless them. The first Sunday that they started across the road, which was kind of weird. I had Grayson Jones preach uh, for us a couple of years ago, and I put him in in that hotel. And um, and Brian Houston was preaching at the campus that morning, and so he walked down to walk across the road to come and preach with us and uh, bumped into Brian Houston, who was walking in to preach at the campus. So, I mean, you know, I'm preaching next door, and they've got Israel Houghton and Brian Houston on the cards across the road, less than a couple hundred meters. But we decided that we would honor them and bless them. And on that Sunday morning that they had their first Sunday, I got the entire congregation up, and we prayed for them. Because I'm of the opinion that if I become bitter, God cannot bless us. If I had allowed that to change my heart, the church would not be in the season it is now. From that day forward, and they've been there five years, we've had our biggest growth years in the last five years as a church. And I really do believe that it was because we made a decision not to be judgmental or to throw stones, but to say, God, if I become better, you can't bless us. But if I stay humble and focused on you, there is enough harvest for them and for us. And that has proven to be absolutely true. So I want to encourage you, please, guys, hear me. This is not an idle point. Some of you are not walking in blessing because you're judgmental. And in the words of Paul, I want to say, dear brothers and sisters, please stop it. Find it in your heart to forgive. You might have been damaged. You might have been stabbed in the back. They might have moved right next door to you. They might have sidelined you. They might have said bad things about you. There could be a whole host of things or reasons that would be fairly legitimate. But isn't what being a Christian is all about? Isn't it about forgiveness? How do we think God can bless if we're not willing to let it go? If we're not willing to say, well, you know what? It hurt. Hell, it hurt. But I've got to move on. I've got to let them go. And I've got to be what God's called me to be. Don't be judgmental. Number four. It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Number four is we need to, to love God's way. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, it says, and in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life he promised us. In this fellowship, we enjoy. We, we have to understand that God has given us a precious gift. And we're not being called to be blessed so we can be blessed. We've been called to be a blessing. We receive blessings so that we can hand it out. 
that the problem is, is that if we don't hand it out, if we're not reaching out to our communities, if we're not loving, if we're not demonstrating, if we're not taking what's being given and sharing it with those around, then we, we miss the point. And what'll happen is it'll dry, it'll dry up. You know, it's like those old aqueducts in Europe. You know, the moment they turned the water off, they crumbled and broke. But as long as the water kept running, they kept servicing the town because they were being used. They were being used for the kingdom of God. And when you and I become a dam, we become septic. We become, we, we, the blessing stops flowing. But when we're willing to love and sow it out and give it out, then God can continue to trust us and continue to bless us. Uh, went camping a couple of years ago. Um, my wife doesn't enjoy camping. Um, so uh, I love the outdoors. And as I said, I like slumming it a bit. So I don't mind sleeping you know, on a beach or on a mountain somewhere. It doesn't really matter. Um, but my wife uh, doesn't enjoy camping at all. But I realized that she loves the, do- the, the, the dogs more than anything else. So, so what I did was I organized a campsite that could take dogs. And I got to camp for a week and she got to run around with the dogs for a week and everyone was happy. So you've got to find ways to make the love flow. <laughs> you know, we've got to be sharp about this. We've got to be thinking about, well, what can I do? How can I be a blessing? How can I minister to my community? How can I touch lives? How can I change the world that I'm in? How can I, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, Gary's been here many times and shared, obviously he's one of your, your national leaders and he's originally from Edge Church. Um, and years ago, they did a renovation on a high school. And I was at the conference where they showed the video of that renovation. And I thought, wow, they've reached out to the community in such a novel way. We went back to our church, and I was thinking, well, God, what can I renovate? And immediately, we were, at that stage, we were just involved, but immediately the night shelter came to mind. So we basically decided, I, I got home, I said to my wife, I said, we need to renovate the night shelter. Six, within six months, over half a million rand's worth of renovations to the night shelter. And out of that renovation, the existing committee realized that we had a passion for what we were doing, and they gave us the night shelter. And we took over and started managing from that moment on. And it's amazing how when you find ways to share what God's giving you, loving, being a blessing, passing it on, making sure that it's not just about us being comfortable. The pink's nice. It's fantastic. But what about five years from now? In five years' time, is it still going to be the color? Is it? Is it still going to be the color? <laughs> maybe, maybe a nice turquoise blue. Or, you know, who knows? But the important thing is, is that we keep finding ways to share God's love. Keep finding ways to reach out in a way that's going to make a difference. And then finally, the last point, number five. It says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Number five, you want to track bracing, you've got to give it some thought. You've got to use your brain power. In Psalm 111, verse 2, it says this, How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. We should think about them. In Psalm 143, verse 5, it says, I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. And then Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, and I love this verse. It says, Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ. In God, think about the things 
of heaven. You know, the psalm implies that the blessed man exercises a deep, serious, and affection for thoughtfulness about the law of the Lord. Day and night, not seldom, not slightly, but diligently and consistently. You and I need to give the word of God and God's word to us some thought. We, we can't just, it's not a matter of just seeing every weekend out. Oh, it's another Sunday. Oh, it's another meeting. Oh, it's, and we just kind of roll from what, no, where's this going? What's this about? What, what's our purpose? What's the plan? Are, are we giving it some thought? Are you taking time out? Are you, are you making sure that you're strategizing? Are you making sure that you're thinking about God's word? Are you making sure that you're thinking about the mission of God? Are you making sure that that's become a part of your everyday life? Because what we love, we'll think about. And if we love God and we say that we do, then we should think about him and we should think about his word. And that should consume us. There should be meditation. There should be ponder. There should be thought. There should be something happening in our heads, thinking about stuff all the time. God, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? God, what does he want to do there? And all the time we should be looking for what God is trying to say and giving it some thought as to how it applies to our lives. I'm amazed at how few people actually spend time in the Word of God and thinking about the Word of God and creating time and space. And if you are a leader, you need to take time out to think. One of the things I'm really going to miss about my dad not being around is at any moment I could say to him, tomorrow morning, bring your sleeping bag. And you go, righto, and put the phone down. He knew what that meant. The following morning, he'd arrive. He lived about 45 minutes away in another part of the city. He'd arrive the next morning. He'd have his sleeping bag. He'd have a little change of clothes. We'd hop into our, the 4x4 Bucky, which we, we, the church bought for missions, which I regularly use to take into the mountains. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, we'd chuck it into the, into the back. We'd chuck his stuff into the back. I'd chuck some sleeping bags and that kind of thing. We'd uh, pop by the supermarket on the way, get some food, and then off we'd go into some logging cabin somewhere, some mountain somewhere, some river somewhere, some seed site somewhere. And for two or three days, we would just think. Loved it. In fact, sometimes we wouldn't talk for a day and a half, except around food, because you didn't need to eat. So, you know, every now and then we'd go, something to eat then? Okay. <laughs> and then we'd make something huge, because that's what South Africans do, piece of steak each. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, but... But that day and a half, and I've found that it takes at least a day and a half for me to get rid of all the busyness, all the stuff, all the burdens, all the things that cloud my mind. It takes me at least a day and a half before I can get into a space where my brain just begins to dream again and have vision and be open to God. And I'll read and, and then we'll start talking and then we'll start sharing about where the church is at. And, and, and I'm going to miss that. There are a few people who have volunteered to, to be, to be that other. I said to them, well, you can only come if you keep quiet for a day and a half, but, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll find other guys, but, but my wife knows that if I'm not in a good spiritual space, it's because I haven't been away to take time out to think and as leaders we must do that when last did you just go and sit and think about stuff it's in those moments that god will say hey change that up hey that area i want you to reach out there hey this is a strategy you can use in this thing
hey, the life groups aren't working. Adjust this. That'll change it. It's in those moments that God can just drop all that wisdom, all those words. And we've got to create space in our hearts and in our minds. My wife will say to me, <laughs> in fact, I think she uses it too often. She'll go, it's time for you to head to the mountains. <laughs> and uh, I'll go, sure. <laughs> and then off I go. But you know, to be blessed is to think about God and his word. To think about how, what needs to change in me. What do I need to adjust? How can I be a better minister? How can I be a better leader? How can I love my wife more? How can I love my kids more? Uh, How can I lead this ministry? What, What strategies can we employ? And it's in those spaces where God speaks loud and clear. And if we're not creating space, taking time out, creating moments for us to think and deliberate, and to ponder, and to meditate, then you'll never get to those strategies and things that you need in order to take the church to the next level. Because what you need is what God wants to tell you. You can go to all the help seminars you want, but you need God to tell you. You run with that, there'll be blessing on that. There'll be an anointing on that. You just run, follow some help book, some... Five ways to do this. It'll never work because it's not birthed in your heart. And when we do that and we think and we process and we pray, God speaks and his blessing comes. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.